chapter eight of pioneers of the old south by mary johnston this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter eight royal government in november sixteen twenty there sailed into a quiet harbor on the coast of what is now massachusetts a ship named the mayflower having on board one hundred and two english nonconformists men and women and with them a few children these latest colonists held a patent from the virginia company and have left in writing a statement of their object we having undertaken for the glory of god and advancement of the christian faith and honor of our king and country a voyage to plant the first colony in the northern parts of virginia the mental reservation is of course where perchance we may serve god as we will in england there obtained in some quarters a suspicion that they meant to make a free popular state there free popular public good these are words that began in the second quarter of the seventeenth century to shine and ring king and people had reached the verge of a great struggle the virginia company was divided as were other groups into factions the court party and the country party found themselves distinctly opposed the great crowded meetings of the company sessions rang with their divisions upon policies small and large words and phrases comprehensive sonorous heavy with the future rose and rolled beneath the roof of their great hall there were heard amid warm discussion kingdom and colony spain netherlands france church and state papists and schismatics duties tithes excise petitions of grievances representation right of assembly several years earlier the king had cried choose the devil but not sir edwin sandys now he declared the company just a seminary to a seditious parliament all london resounded with the clash of parties and opinions last week the earl of warwick and the lord cavendish fell so foul at a virginia court that the lie passed and repassed the factions are grown so violent that guelphs and ghibellines were not more animated one against another believing that the company's sessions foreshadowed a seditious parliament james stuart set himself with obstinacy and some cunning to the company's undoing the court party gave the king aid and circumstances favored the attempt captain nathaniel butler who had once been governor of the summers islands and had now returned to england by way of virginia published in london the unmasked face of our colony in virginia containing a savage attack upon every item of virginian administration the king's privy council summoned the company or rather the country party to answer these and other allegations southampton sandys and farrar answered with strength and cogency but the tide was running against them 
james appointed commissioners to search out what was wrong with virginia certain men were shipped to virginia to get evidence there as well as support from the virginia assembly in this attempt they signally failed then to england came a virginia member of the virginia council with long letters to king and privy council the sandys southampton administration had done more than well for virginia the letters were letters of appeal the colony hoped that the governor sent over might not have absolute authority but might be restrained to the consent of the council but above all they made it their most humble request that they might still retain the liberty of their general assemblies than which nothing could more conduce to the public satisfaction and public liberty in london another paper drawn by cavendish was given to king and privy council it answered many accusations and among others the statement that the government of the companies as it then stood was democratical and tumultuous and ought therefore to be altered and reduced into the hands of a few it is of interest to hear these men speak in the year sixteen twenty three in an england that was close to absolute monarchy to a king who with all his house stood out for personal rule however they owned that according to his majesty's institution their government had some show of a democratical form which was nevertheless in that case the most just and profitable and most conducive to the ends and effects aimed at thereby lastly they observed that the opposite faction cried out loudly against democracy and yet called for oligarchy which would as they conceived make the government neither of better form nor more monarchical but the dissolution of the virginia company was at hand in october sixteen twenty three the privy council stated that the king had taken into his princely consideration the distressed state of the colony of virginia occasioned as it seemed by the ill government of the company the remedy for the ill management lay in the reduction of the government into fewer hands his majesty had resolved therefore upon the withdrawal of the company's charter and the substitution with due regard for continuing and preserving the interest of all adventurers and private persons whatsoever of a new order of things the new order proved on examination to be the old order of rule by the crown would the company surrender the old charter and accept a new one so modelled the company through the country party strove to gain time they met with a succession of arbitrary measures and were finally forced to a decision they would not surrender their charter then a writ of quo warranto was issued trial before the king's bench followed and judgment was rendered against the company in the spring term of sixteen twenty four thus with clangor fell the famous virginia company that was one year the march of the next year james stuart king of england died that young henry who was prince of wales when the susan constant the good speed and the discovery sailed past a cape and named it for him cape henry also had died his younger brother charles for whom was named that other 
and opposite cape now ascended the throne as king charles i of england in virginia no more general assemblies are held for four years king charles embarks upon personal rule sir francis wyatt a good governor is retained by commission and a council is appointed by the king no longer are affairs to be conducted after a fashion democratical and tumultuous orders are transmitted from england the governor assisted by the council will take into cognizance purely local needs and when he sees some occasion he will issue a proclamation wyatt recalled finally to england george yardley again who died in a year's time francis west that brother of lord de la war and an ancient planter these in quick succession sit in the governor's chair following them john pott doctor of medicine has his short term then the king sends out sir john harvey avaricious and arbitrary so haughty and furious to the council and the best gentlemen of the country says beverley that his tyranny grew at last insupportable the company previously and now the king had urged upon the virginians a diversified industry and agriculture but englishmen in virginia had the familiar emigrant idea of making their fortunes they had left england they had taken their lives in their hands they had suffered fevers indian attacks homesickness deprivation they had come to virginia to get rich now clapboards and sassafras pitch tar and pine trees for masts were making no fortune for virginia shippers how could they these few folk far off in america compete in products of the force with northern europe as to mines of gold and silver that first rich vision had proved a disheartening mirage they have great hopes that the mountains are very rich from the discovery of a silver mine made nineteen years ago at a place about four days journey from the falls of james river but they have not the means of transporting the ore so dissatisfied with some means of livelihood and disappointed in others the virginians turn to tobacco every year each planter grew more tobacco every year more ships were laden in sixteen twenty eight more than five hundred thousand pounds were sent to england for to england it must go and not elsewhere there it must struggle with the best spanish for a long time valued above the best virginian finally however james and after him charles agreed to exclude the spanish virginia and the summer's islands alone might import tobacco into england but offsetting this customs went up ruinously a great lump sum must go annually to the king the leaf must enter only at the port of london so forth and so on finally charles put forth his proposal to monopolize the industry giving virginia tobacco the english market but limiting its production to the amount which the government could sell advantageously such a policy required cooperation from the colonists the king therefore ordered the governor to grant a virginia assembly which in turn should dutifully enter into partnership with him upon his terms so the virginia assembly thus came back into history it made a humble answer in which for all its humility the king's proposal was declined the idea of the royal monopoly 
faded out and virginia continued on its own way the general assembly having once met seems of its own motion to have continued meeting the next year we find it in session at jamestown and resolving that we should go three several marches upon the indians at three several times of the year and also that there be an especial care taken by all commanders and others that the people do repair to their churches on the sabbath day and to see that the penalty of one pound of tobacco for every time of absence and fifty pounds for every month's absence be levied and the delinquents to pay the same about this time we read dr john pott late governor indicted arraigned and found guilty of stealing cattle thirteen jurors three whereof counsellors this day wholly spent in pleading next day in unnecessary disputation these were moving times in the little colony whose population may by now have been five thousand harvey the governor was rapacious the king at home autocratic meanwhile signs of change and of rest were not wanting in europe england was hastening toward revolution in germany the thirty years war was in mid-career france and italy were racked by strife over the world the peoples groaned under the strain of oppression in science too there was promise of revolution harvey not that governor harvey of virginia but a greater in england was writing upon the circulation of the blood galileo brooded over ideas of the movement of the earth kepler over celestial harmonies and solar rule descartes was laying the foundation of a new philosophy in the meantime far across the atlantic bands of virginians went out against the indians who might or might not god knows have put in a claim to be considered among the oppressed peoples in virginia the fat black tobacco fields steaming under a sun like the sun of spain called for and got more labor and still more labor every little sailing ship brought white workmen called servants consigned indentured apprenticed to many acred planters these in return for their passage money must serve laban for a term of years but then would receive rachel or at least leah in the shape of freedom and a small holding and provision with which to begin again their individual life if they were ambitious and energetic they might presently be able in turn to import labor for their own acres as yet in virginia there were few african slaves not more perhaps than a couple of hundred but whenever ships brought them they were greedily purchased in virginia as everywhere in time of change there arose anomalies side by side persisted a romantic devotion to the king and a determination to have popular assemblies a great sense of the rights of the white individual together with african slavery a practical easy-going debonair naturalism side by side with an established church penalizing alike papist puritan and atheist even so early as this the social tone was set that was to hold for many and many a year the suave climate was somehow to foster alike a sense of caste and good neighborliness class distinctions and republican ideas 
the towns were of the fewest and rudest little more than small palisaded hamlets built of frame or log poised near the water of the river james the genius of the land was for the plantation rather than the town the fair and large brick or frame planter's house of a later time had not yet risen but the system was well inaugurated that set a main or big house upon some fair site with cabins clustered near and all surrounded save on the river front with far-flung acres some planted with grain and the rest with tobacco up and down the river these estates were strung together by the rudest roads mere tracks through field and wood the cart was as yet the sole wheeled vehicle but the virginia planter a horseman in england brought over horses bred horses and early placed horsemanship in the catalogue of the necessary colonial virtues at this point however in a land of great and lesser rivers with a network of creeks the boat provided the chief means of communication behind all enveloping all still spread the illimitable forest the haunt of indians and innumerable game virginians were already preparing for an expansion to the north there was a man in virginia named william claiborne this individual able determined self-reliant energetic had come in as a young man with the title of surveyor-general for the company in the ship that brought sir francis wyatt just before the massacre of sixteen twenty two he had prospered and was now secretary of the province he held lands and was endowed with a bold adventurous temper and a genius for business in a few years he had established widespread trading relations with the indians he and the men whom he employed penetrated to the upper shores of chesapeake into the forest bordering potomac and susquehanna knives and hatchets beads trinkets and colored cloth were changed for rich furs and various articles that the indians could furnish the skins thus gathered claiborne shipped to london merchants and was like to grow wealthy from what his trading brought looking upon the future and contemplating barter on a princely scale he set to work and obtained exhaustive licenses from the immediate virginian authorities and at last from the king himself under these grants claiborne began to provide settlements for his numerous traders far up the chesapeake a hundred miles or so from point comfort he found an island that he liked and named it kent island here for his men he built cabins with gardens around them a mill and a church he was far from the river james and the mass of his fellows but he esteemed himself to be in virginia and upon his own land what came of claiborne's enterprise the sequel has to show End of chapter eight